Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. There's really two main questions that feed into what if, okay? And one of those questions is super powerful. Um, the other is action-oriented and thus just as powerful. But if you answer these two questions, you've really answered life. You have figured out life. Question number one is, what is my story? What is my story? And I want to talk on this for just a little bit and have you understand the power of story. Your life is a story. My life is a story. And it's really sad. It's, it's, it's been said that when a person dies, it's like a library burning down because they die with their story in them. And the, the real question about story is, you know, what is yours? And with the limited time that you have left, how is that story going to end? Now, I don't know if you were here Saturday last year, but Saturday last year, um, I delivered what was for me, uh, and it appears in looking at the video for a lot of you, uh, the most emotional speech that I've ever given in my entire life. And it was entitled Now. And if you were here, you remember that Now was based on a near, almost near fatal accident that I had had in February of last year, where I was four seconds away from death. And I told you last year, as I looked out statistics around people who die, and I said this on Saturday of last year, that statistically next year, eight of you won't be here. And why this question about what is my story is so important is because we haven't even reached out to the mastery audience, but I already know that 16 people that were in this audience last year have passed away. And for over 10 of them, it wasn't, it wasn't medical. It was something else like that. Your story and your life is what matters. And the question is, you know, what story are you telling yourself about you? What story are you telling others about you? How are you engaging others to learn their story as a way of connection and trust building and authenticity? And if you could write the perfect screenplay about your life, what would that story look like? Here's what I know, and I've talked to about 30 of you separately, and I know that there are people in this room that are going through tough times, that are going through challenges. I mean, I get that. Uh, we've had our own sets of tough challenges. That's how you have to kind of think of your life. You have to think of it as a glorious unfolding. You have to think of it as the story is not over. No matter how dire, no matter how dark, no matter how up or how down, how down we ever get or we ever are, our story isn't over. 
And I remember listening to that song, and I remember when we made some of the decisions we had to make. I look back on those now, and I have this deep peace about how powerful those decisions were for us, for our family, for, you know, for our story. And the stories of those that were in our decision are impacted differently than had their story continued on the journey that it was on. It's really super powerful when you start thinking about this. And we have this great kind of what-if mentality that is demonstrated us through history with just case after case after case after case that your story is never, ever, ever over. Let me see if I can paint three pictures for you. I'll take three examples of a story not being over. And then I want to show you something that's, that's pr probably, in my mind, the most powerful thing that maybe we'll pull out of this tonight, okay? So let's take a look at 1990. In 1990, uh, a gal by the name of Joanne Rawlings conceives the idea, comes up with the idea of uh, Harry Potter, the series Harry Potter, right? And uh, in the seven years that followed that one decision, she saw the death of her mother, the divorce from her husband. She was penniless, homeless on state's welfare and benefits and basically had to keep asking what if. And what if, by asking what if, became her story. Rejected 12 times from publishers for the Harry Potter, Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter series, she, uh, she, she felt she was getting discriminated against. And so without giving up, she just adopted the pen name of J.K. Rawlings, kept pushing forward, and here we are today, you know, just about 13 years later, and she has sold 550 million copies of the Harry Potter series, and the Harry Potter film franchise is the third most valuable film franchise in the history of films valued at $2.3 billion. And by the way, her personal fortune, by not giving up and continuing asking about what if and staying in the game and understanding that her story wasn't over, is over a billion dollars. That's the power of what if. She's no smarter than you or I. She's no different than you or me. She just stayed in the game and her story keeps getting better and better and better. You look at Steve Jobs, for example. I mean, Steve Jobs was fired from the very company that he founded. That's got to be pretty pretty hurtful, right? To get fired from your own company. But he wasn't done. He what ifed, what if, what if, what if, and his what if became his story, and he decided to answer the what if question by, what if I build an operating system that if I presented it against Apple in the marketplace, it would make Apple cringe? And that's what he did, and he developed Next. Here's what's so cool. His what if about an operating system became largely the catalyst for his legacy. And 11 years after he's fired from Apple, they write him a check for $400 million to buy next and next step. His operating system was so powerful that he went on to be invited back to Apple, given the CEO role, and he continued to what if, which has now become his legacy. And using old technology like the phonograph and the phone, he reinvented that whole experience. And today, over 525 million iPhones have been sold worldwide. That's pretty crazy. Sylvester Stallone's story is like a bad Western song. The guy finds himself broke. He sells his dog for 50 bucks so he can put food on the table, and that caused his wife to finally say, I'm done and out of here, and it broke his heart. <laughs> but his story wasn't over. 
And while watching the Ali Webner fight, he came up and conceived the idea of what if. I mean, what if a no-name fighter could win the heavyweight championship? He spent 24 hours straight writing the story concept for Rocky. And between the time he was done and the time he finally got a yes, he was rejected 2,000 times. 2,000 people said, I don't like the Rocky story. And finally, some guy said, I'll give you 100 grand to buy the rights to Rocky under one condition. The condition is you can't play the lead role. He rejected it. New York winner, nearly homeless, cold and feeling defeated, he finally had somebody write him a check for $25,000 and let him play the lead role. His what if became the Italian stallion. You know what he did? Went back to the store where he sold his dog. Stood out in front of the store three days. And the person that bought the dog brought the dog back to get some supplies. And Sylvester Stallone wrote her a check for $15,000 to buy his dog back. That's pretty impressive. <clears throat> 2010, it looks like the actor's career is kind of winding down, right? But no, his story's not over. You might say, why isn't it over? He's 64. The story should be over. Why? It's never over. Rocky happened when he was 30. The franchise is valued at $550 million. If he did it once, he can probably do it again. So he writes, directs, and stars in The Expendables. $36 million opening weekend. The biggest opening weekend of his career. He wasn't done. And People Magazine reported on August 9th this year that Sylvester Stallone was the highest paid actor in America from July of last year to July of this year with a whopping $58 million in income. Guess who number two was? Tom Cruise at $30 million. Did you know the Expendable franchises in just 48 months is worth $790 million? His story wasn't over. Your story is never over. And we have really, really, really got to get our head around this because this is where big stuff starts to happen. So here's my point. My story, not done. Your story, not done. John, your story's not done. Jeff, your story's not done. Phil, your story's not done. Deb, your story's not done. Matt, yours isn't done. Linda's, yours isn't done. Steve, nobody's story in this room is done. It's your canvas. You gotta figure out what it's gonna look like. And here's what I want you to know, that as you take the stuff from Sales Mastery and you start to get it implemented, all right, you are gonna run in to challenges. You're gonna run into really, really tough, tough circumstances because this is big stuff, especially this year. We got 12 people coming on stage, each one of which has 12 minutes to share one idea with you, and each idea is worth $100,000, but guess what? You're not gonna get the money unless you implement the idea. <clears throat> and what I really want you to understand is the power of no matter how good it is or how tough it is, when it's tough, that's not the time to quit, that's the time to commit. Quitting defines your story.
C.S. Lewis said that hardship often pairs the ordinary man for extraordinary outcomes. I want to take you back to 1972, and I want to show you what I mean by your story is never over. So, very powerful in a lot of ways, right? Um, One of the ways in which that is powerful is when you start looking at the front end of that video, it does not even look hopeful for Dave Waddle, right? I mean, you start looking at that and you're kind of thinking, man, can he really, 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 really pull this off? And so the question is, what race was he running? Was he running his race? Was he running somebody else's race? Was he being pressured by the stands? Was he starting to fear when he was behind? I mean, how did he settle in and run that race? And by the way, beat, I can't even pronounce his name, uh, by three one-hundredths of a second. That's a powerful question. Uh, The question is, when you're running your race, you have to stay with your race. And the, the very cool thing is that no matter where you are in your story, it's just a snapshot. It looked like he was what? Losing. It looked like he was going to lose. But that was just a snapshot. I mean, this is a Polaroid camera. Remember these? And all this is, is a snapshot in time. No matter where you are in your story, it's just a snapshot in time. And this snapshot of him at the finish line, check this out, that is a snapshot. That is just him and the other dude falling, and that is his place in history in that moment. But another day, another snapshot. Another race, another snapshot. You know, another challenge, another snapshot. That's what this is. It's a life of snapshots. And what we have to do is we have to capture the moments, right? We've got to capture the right moments. We're doing that this year with Sales Mastery and our social media, which I'll talk about in a little bit. We want you to capture as many snapshots as you can at Mastery. We're even going to have a contest and give away $1,000 on Saturday morning to whoever has the best post at our hashtag salesmastery2014.com. Whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you more about the details. But our life is what? snapshots. That's what our life is. And what I want you to be thinking about is when you're running your race, whatever your race is, okay, are you prepared to take some snapshots, do some analysis, and see where you're at, and then reset, regear, and take another snapshot? You know what's powerful about Dave Waddle's win? And this is going to blow your mind. Here's the question. Did he speed up or did they slow down? Check it out. Here's the 800 meters, two laps. Okay, first uh, first 200 meters, he ran that in 26.4 seconds. Okay, next 200 meters, 26.6 seconds. Next 200 meters, 26.4 seconds. And the final 200 meters, he ran in 26.2 seconds. His four split times did not have a variance more than four-tenths of a second. 
He stayed with his race. He didn't speed up. It looked like he was speeding up, but everybody else was slowing down. You've got to have confidence in your race. You've got to know that you can pull it off. And the harder you go and the bigger you try and, and shoot for, the, the chances are the greater the challenges you're going to have. So now I want to take you to the 2008 Big Ten uh, indoor track finals. Okay, this is the 600 meter race. Check this out. That's Von Dorr moving up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Three one hundredths of a second. She was a winner the minute she got up. But look at that. I mean, how easy would it have been to fall and stay down? We've seen that happen millions of times in games and track and field. But she has the presence of mind to get up immediately and she pours it on, defies all the odds, and wins. The question is, what do you do when you fall down? How fast do you get up? And then how fast do you attack? And how fast do you get back to where you should be and could be and, and ought to be? That's the deal here. See, the real power behind what is your story is it, it, it's not how you start. It, it's, it's actually how you finish.